Welcome to the podcast of Selmore Baptist Church in Ozark, Missouri. To learn more about our church, please visit selmorebaptist.com. And now, here's the sermon. You have your Bibles this morning. Open them to the book of Ecclesiastes. We're going to be in chapter 11, starting with verse 9, and then we'll be going through chapter 12 and verse 8. Ecclesiastes starting with chapter 11, verse 9, and going through chapter 12, in verse 8. Thank you to Cliff and to our singers and musicians this morning. Beautiful time of worship. I also want to say thank you to our youth. We had about 20 teenagers and kids here Wednesday night, and they did a lot of the Christmas decorating, and so we're proud of them and appreciate them doing that for the church. It looks good, doesn't it? All right, well today we come back to our series in the book of Ecclesiastes, and We did have three sermons left in this series. We've done seven. We had three left. But due to me being in quarantine for a while and now Christmas being upon us, I've decided to cut that back to two sermons. So the teaching today is actually going to push two sermons together and combine them into one. When I told my kids that, the first thing they said, of course, was, is it going to take an hour? I'm going to try to condense it a little better than that. The first sermon was going to be called Rejoice in Your Youth. And the second sermon was going to be called Old Age Ain't for Sissies. And now it's just one sermon entitled Rejoice in Your Youth Because Old Age Ain't for Sissies. So I'm going to do my best to condense these texts today in a portion size that we can wrap our minds around. So whether you're young or old, the Lord has a word for you today as spoken through his servant, King Solomon. So let's get right to the text. And let's first look at King Solomon's advice regarding Youth. So all you children, all you teenagers, listen carefully. Chapter 11, let's start with verses 9 and 10. Solomon writes, Rejoice, O young man, in your youth. Let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes. But know that for all of these, God will bring you into judgment. Therefore, remove sorrow from your heart and put away evil from your flesh, for childhood and youth are vanity. All right, there are four points here that we're going to cover as it pertains to being young. Ready? Here they are. Number one, point number one. Youth is a gift of God to be enjoyed. Verse 9 says, Rejoice in your youth. Let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Young people, God wants you to enjoy and savor this time of your life. This is a special season of your life, and you'll never get it back. Your mind is sharp. Your body is strong. The whole world lies in front of you. Your life is a blank slate to fill in as you choose. Now, you must choose carefully. We'll talk more about that here in a moment. But by all means, enjoy this time of life. Have fun. Hang out with your friends. Make memories. Now, I don't know how many of you adults know this, but there is a crippling epidemic of anxiety among young people today. Depression, suicide, you name it. And it breaks my heart because God meant youth to be a time of, yes, preparing for adulthood, but also of being carefree and not having adult responsibilities and burdens quite yet. And these kids today have a lot of burdens. Now, they're different burdens than previous generations. They're not being called to war. They're not being asked to work 60-hour weeks in a factory and 
For that reason, I think that we sometimes dismiss their anxieties, but they are burdens nonetheless. And they're largely brought on by this complex age in which we live. I don't know about you, but I shudder at the thought of going through adolescence in the social media age and all the challenges that that presents. Growing up, we thought being bullied at school was bad. What about if you came home and there were things said about you and pictures shown of you on social media for all of your classmates and all the world to see? I don't know how they do it, to be honest. If there is a young person in your life, I promise you they need encouragement, and they need love, and they need a mentor. And so church, let's be encouragers to our young people. Let's hold them up in prayer. Let's be advocates for them. Youth is a gift of God to be enjoyed. We need to remember that as adults and help our young people to enjoy their youth in a way that honors God. And youth and children, we want you to know that we are so glad that you're part of our church. And we want you to know that we are in your corner and that we support you and that we are for you. Now, here's the balance to point number one. Point number one, youth is a gift of God to be enjoyed. Point number two, enjoy your youth, but also remember that you will be judged for your actions. The second part of verse 9 says, Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes. In other words, do what seems best to you, but know that for all of these, God will bring you into judgment. In other words, just because you're a youth doesn't mean that you get a free pass for your actions or that God doesn't expect holiness from you. He does. Young people, if you've surrendered your life to the Lord Jesus, you must understand that you are no longer your own. 1 Corinthians 6 tells us that we were bought at a price, that that price was the blood of Jesus. Therefore, we must glorify God in our body and in our spirit, which are God's. Our life is not to do with as we choose. It belongs to the Lord. Thus, we must not put harmful substances into our body. We must not put pornography and filth into our mind and heart. We must not use our bodies to engage in sexual sin. We must not speak gossip or profanity with our lips. We must honor and glorify God in all that we do because we belong to Him. Young people, don't fall into this trap of thinking, well, when I get a little older, then I'll get serious about my faith. When I get a little older, then I'll be faithful to church. Then I'll live for the Lord. No, God wants to use you right now. God wants you to be faithful to Him now, not later. Remember that. And know that even now, for the actions that you take, you will one day give an account to Almighty God. Enjoy your youth by all means, but remember as you do so that God requires holiness. That brings us to our third point. Point number three, sin always brings sorrow. Don't go there. Don't even go there. Verse 10 says, Remove sorrow from your heart, and put away evil from your flesh. Young people, know and understand, those two things always go hand in hand. Sorrow 
and evil, sorrow and sin. You cannot have sin without sorrow. It does not exist. There is no such thing as a sin that does not bring corresponding sadness. It's a law, just like gravity. Now, don't misunderstand me. Let's just be honest with each other. Let's be real. Sin can be very fun. Sin can be very pleasurable for a time. And the devil is very good at making sin look appealing to our flesh. But here's what we have to remember. That fun, that pleasure, it never lasts. And when it runs out, you're left with remorse and guilt, and you're left with sorrow and pain, and you're left with heartache, and you're left with broken relationships, and as you get older, broken homes in your wake. And what ends up happening is that you hurt the people that you love the most. It's been said that sin will take you farther than you want to go, it will keep you longer than you want to stay, and it will cost you more than you want to pay. And young people, you can talk to probably any adult in this room, and they would verify that. And they would tell you about sins that they've committed in their life, things that they wish they could go back and do differently. Many of you, fortunately, young people, are still on the front side of those decisions. And so I would implore you, make decisions that honor Christ. Don't fall into sin. It will have consequences, and some of those consequences could, very well could, impact the rest of your life. I must also say, if you've already made decisions that you regret, there is grace, and there is forgiveness in Christ. He will cleanse you. He will wash you. He will make you whiter than snow and throw your sins into the depth of the sea, never more to be remembered. That's good news. But in order to experience his grace and his forgiveness, you have to turn from your sin. You have to repent of it and put your faith in Jesus Christ. Point number four, youth is fleeting. Don't waste it on sin. Leverage it for the glory of God. The end of verse 10 says that childhood and youth are vanity. We said at the very beginning of this series that vanity is the theme of this book. It uses the word vanity some 28 times. But Solomon uses the word in different ways. Oftentimes, as we've seen in this series, vanity means pointless or it means futile. But here it's used in a little different way. It means fleeting. It's temporary. It's here today, and it's gone tomorrow. You know, when you're a kid, when you're a teenager, sometimes it doesn't feel like you're ever going to grow up. Do some of you remember feeling that way? 20, I remember when 20 seemed like a long ways away, and 30 and 40 just seemed old, and anything 50 and up was just completely ancient, right? But again, you can go to any adult in this room, and they'll tell you it goes like that. I remember some things from middle school and high school as though they happened yesterday. Maybe the day before yesterday, right? And now I'm dropping my kids off at middle school and high school. And I'm thinking, how is that possible? How did that happen? 
Young people, it goes fast. So enjoy it. Make the most of it, but don't waste it. Use your youth, use your energy, use your vigor, your enthusiasm to serve the kingdom of God. You'll never regret it. There may be a young person here today that God is calling to pastoral ministry or to missions or to some other kind of ministry. Don't wait. Don't say, well, I'll have to wait till I'm an adult before I can start serving the Lord. Surrender to that call right now and let God begin to use you and to prepare you for what he has for you. If that's you, talk to me, please. Talk to me. Talk to another leader in our church, and we'd be happy to get you pointed in the right direction and to pray for you and encourage you in that. The point is, you're not going to be young forever. So leverage your youth for the glory of God. Now, the next verse in our text is a transition verse. It moves us from a discussion of being young to a discussion of being old. So let's read it together, verse 1. Solomon says, Remember now your Creator in the days of your youth before the difficult days come and the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. Well, there's bright and cheery Solomon again, right? Doesn't he know that the latter years of our life are supposed to be the golden years? And yet he calls them difficult years. He refers to them as years in which there are no pleasure, or at least that's what he says we're prone to say when we're in those years. But of course the reality is that God is always good. Even in senior adulthood, while physical challenges are numerous, his grace is sufficient. His mercies are new every morning. His blessings are many. And yet Solomon makes a fair point that I think we have to concede. Old age ain't for sissies. Now, I can't speak from personal experience to that quite yet, but I've heard from plenty of you who would affirm that sentiment. In the following verses, in verses 2 through 7, there is a poem that speaks to the various bodily challenges of old age. And essentially, the poem uses the metaphor of an old, dilapidated house to describe what happens to our bodies as we age. This is the uplifting part of the sermon, right? So let's read this poem, and then we'll break it down just a little bit. Let's start by reading verses 2 through 5. Actually, let's back up to verse 1 for context so we understand the flow of the text. Remember now your Creator in the days of your youth, before the difficult days come, and the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. While the sun and the light, the moon and the stars are not darkened, and the clouds do not return after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble, and the strong men bow down, when the grinders cease because they are few, and those that look through the windows grow dim, when the doors are shut in the streets and the sound of grinding is low, when one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of music are brought low, also they are afraid of height, and of terrors in the way. When the almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper is a burden, and desire fails. For man goes to his eternal home, 
and the mourners go about the streets. All right, this is full of imagery. And so we're going to talk about it and explain it a little bit. But the first point I want us to see in this part of the text is that we must serve the Lord while you can because our bodies aren't made to last forever. We all know that, right? One thing we know as students of God's Word is that the entire creation is under the curse of sin. The entire creation feels the effects of the fall. Had it not been for sin, there never would have been aging or death. We would have lived forever in Eden. But when Adam and Eve sinned against God, it introduced suffering and death into the world and specifically into the human race. And as part of that, our bodies feel the effect of the fall. They age. They decline. They deteriorate. Things begin to go wrong. And this poem describes that deterioration process in great detail and actually quite creatively. So I just want to briefly look at some of the imagery that it uses, very briefly. In verse 2, it talks about the moon and stars not being darkened for the young, which implies that they are darkened for the old. And commentators have said that likely is a reference just to our mental ability. The lights begin to grow a little dim with age. Verse 3 says the keepers of the house tremble. It's believed that's referencing the hands and arms of an aged person. Verse 3 talks about the strong men bow down. Again, referring commentators believe to our legs, bowing down, not being able to support our bodies any longer. Verse 3 also talks about our grinders ceasing because they are few. What do you think that's a reference to? Our teeth wearing down and sometimes falling out. Verse 4 talks about the door being shut to the streets. So we get very aged. We just Our lips don't always have a lot to say. Verse 4 also talks about the sound of grinding being low. This one's a little bit more obscure, but some have suggested that our hearing goes bad to the point that we can't even hear ourselves chew anymore. <laughs> that could be a blessing, maybe. I don't know. Verse 4 also talks about rising up at the sound of a bird. One thing I think a lot of older people have in common is you all get up really early. Really early. Is that because you don't sleep well? And you're just ready to get out of bed? Like, I'm tired of laying here, let's get on with the day. And you go to bed early, that's true too. It talks about in verse 4, daughters of music being brought low. And again, that could be talking about the birds. (laughs) That you wake up in time to hear the birds, but you can't really hear them very well because, again, your hearing's not very good. Verse 5 talks about being afraid of height and terrors in the way. And commentators say, you know, when we get older, we're afraid to do the things physically that we used to do. There are certain risks that we used to take. My father-in-law, I hope he's not listening to Facebook Live this morning, he loves to fish at Montauk Trout Park. They live close to that. And there's a little dam there at Montauk. And he told me over Thanksgiving, he said, when I was young, I'd just take off and run across that dam. He said, now I don't even want to step on it because I'm afraid I'm going to fall off and somebody's going to have to come pull me out of the water because I'm just getting old and I don't trust my feet anymore. And that's what old age does to us. It talks about terrors in the way the commentators say that that likely refers to crossing a busy street, just like Frogger. (laughs) Some of you are familiar with that old video game. But 
You know, obviously, if we were to walk out here and try to cross a busy street and we're aged and we're not walking very fast or very well, that would be a scary thing. Verse 5 also talks about when the almond tree blossoms. What color is the almond tree when it blossoms? You want to guess? White. So our hair turns white. Verse 5, now this is the weirdest one probably, talks about the grasshopper becomes a burden. And most commentators would say that's just a reference to walking becomes difficult. You know, a grasshopper can jump really well, but if you've ever seen one just kind of walk along, it's kind of got a little hitch in his giddy-up. The New Living Translation, which really is a paraphrase, put it this way, which I thought was kind of funny. It says, you drag along without energy like a dying grasshopper. That's kind of sad, isn't it? We're just being real this morning. We're keeping it real. Verse 5 says that desire fails. Most likely this is a desire for physical relationship. Verse 5 at the end then finally concludes, man goes to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets. Again, very encouraging, very uplifting from Solomon. But he's being real with us. And this is what happens if we're blessed with a long enough life. The old house falls into disrepair. Now, the good news is, of course, that the story doesn't end there. As I once heard someone say, there's nothing wrong with me that a good resurrection won't fix. And one day, the old house is going to get a makeover. And for the follower of Jesus, we know that one day when he returns, that we will be given a brand new glorified body to enjoy a new heaven and earth forever and ever. And I think the older that we get, the more that we begin to look forward to that. But in the meantime, we have to serve Jesus in the here and now because we know our bodies won't last forever. And so do what you can for Jesus while you can so that at the end of your life, you have no regrets. And I want to say this as well. There never comes a point when God can't use you in some capacity. Even when your body gets weak, you can still pray. You can still give. You can still encourage. Those of you familiar with Facebook know there's a feature called Memories in which you can see things that, have, uh, that you've posted on a particular date from years past. And this week, one of my memories that popped up was from Rachel's grandmother's funeral a few years ago. And the preacher told the story at her funeral that when they looked in her purse, after she passed away, they found three little pocket-sized New Testaments. She lived in a nursing home. She didn't go hardly anywhere. But wherever that woman went, even after making that move to the nursing home, she would just give those New Testaments away to people. 90 years old. There's always something we can do for Jesus. Always. Until we breathe our last. Well, let's finish this poem now. Verses 6 and 7. We'll go there. It says, Remember your Creator before the silver cord is loosed or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the well. Then the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit will return to God who gave it. All right, this is the point. I'm sorry, I have to say this. It's true. Serve the Lord while you can, because death is coming for us all. It's coming. Now, this is very similar to the last point, so we're not going to belabor it. I do want to be sensitive to the fact that we've had a lot of our church family lose loved ones in recent days. And so 
We need to remember that as well. But basically what you see in verse 6 are two metaphors for death. First, there is something akin to a hanging light fixture. The cord is loosed, the lamp falls, and the bowl of the lamp is broken. So this lamp is hanging, it falls, it shatters on the floor. Second, there is a picture that they're lowering into a fountain or a well to retrieve water. And the pitcher shatters. It can't hold water anymore. It's very likely a picture of our body, no longer being able to hold our spirit. And then besides that, it says the wheel used to retrieve the pitcher, the wheel used for the, the pulley to put the pitcher down into the well, it also is broken. In both metaphors, the point is it's something that was significant, something that was beautiful in the case of the lamp or functional in the case of the pitcher, now lies broken, now lies done. Its time is over. But these metaphors for death do have their shortcomings. Because while inanimate objects are totally done, once they shatter, once they break, human beings have souls that live on forever. Every person you meet will live forever. Never forget that. This is why verse 7 reminds us, yes, our bodies return to the earth, the dust returns to the earth, but our spirits return to God who gave it. When we put our faith in the Lord Jesus, we know that God will receive our spirit into heaven. Conversely and tragically, when we do not put our faith in the Lord Jesus, the Bible teaches that our spirit is relegated to hell, where we will be tormented forever and ever. So, dear ones, I hope and pray that if you've not surrendered your life to Jesus, that you do that while you can. Death is coming for us all. None of us know when, and once it comes, it's too late. And so we must trust Jesus today. Our last verse is verse 8. And if you've been with us throughout this series, again, this will sound familiar. Solomon says, vanity of vanities, says the preacher. All is vanity. Here's the last point. Serve the Lord while you can, because everything else is vanity. As we've said already this morning, vanity is the main theme of this book. The Lord wants us to understand, through the words of King Solomon, that many of the things that we spend our time pursuing and worrying about in this life, in the end, aren't worth anything. They're futile. They're pointless. They're vain. The only things that matter in the end are the things that have eternal significance. It's been said there are only two things in the world that last forever, in this world, that last forever. Number one is the Word of God. It stands forever. Number two are the souls of men. That means that everything that we do in this life should ultimately be about one of those two things, either knowing God more intimately through his word or making God known. Everything else ultimately is vanity. You say, well, what about my marriage? Is that vanity? What is marriage? It's a picture of Christ's relationship to his church. 
Through our marriage, we present a witness to the world of Jesus. Marriage is important. It matters. What about my relationship with my kids? Does that not matter? You need to be discipling your kids. You need to be telling your kids about Jesus and teaching them to fear the Lord because they too have souls that will live forever, either in heaven or in hell. Everything we do should be about knowing God more intimately or making God known. That goes for pursuing material wealth. That goes for pursuing entertainment. That goes for making a name for ourselves, whatever that means. It's all vanity. Only what's done for Christ will last. And so the bottom line is that wherever you find yourself on this big spectrum that we've talked about today, young or old or somewhere in between, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, your life is to be all about knowing him and making him known. Amen? All right, next week we're going to finish up this series, and in that text we come to what Solomon calls the conclusion of the matter. Solomon says, let me sum this book up. And so that's what we'll look at next Sunday. For today, I want to extend an invitation to you, not a come forward invitation, but an invitation nonetheless, that if you're here today and you're ready to put your faith in Jesus, that you would come to me when we dismiss this service today, and that you would say, Josh, I'm ready to be a Christian. I'm ready to follow Christ. I would love to have that conversation with you and to pray for you. If you're here today and you have questions about baptism or joining the church or any other spiritual decision that you need to make, please come to me, come to Pastor Bill, come to any mature Christian in this room, and we would be happy to talk with you about those things and to pray with you. I'm going to ask our musicians, if they would, now to come to the stage, and I'm going to ask all of you to stand at this time. We're going to close with a song that goes with the message very well, and we've sung some songs this morning just with wonderful lyrics, and this song falls into that category as well, and I pray that as we sing the words of this song, that these words are true in your life, that the longer you serve him, the sweeter he grows. Amen. All right, let's sing.